Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time. Everybody. Hey, welcome to the vineyard. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. Really, really happy to have you. And um, hey, thanks, worship band. That was that was beautiful. And uh, that was really, really great. We're gonna get to do some more of that before we're finished this morning. But what I want to do this morning is I want to continue a little series that we started last week. And this series that we're in, we're gonna do maybe like one more week after this, but we're in a little series here. Uh, that I'm calling, simply enough, uh, Character, Integrity, and Goodness. And the reason we're doing this little series is I just want to talk about character, integrity, and goodness. Uh, I want to talk about what it means to be someone who ends up being like Jesus in the heart, like to be like the Lord, uh, not, just, not just to appear like Jesus, but, but to actually be like him in character and in the heart, to be someone who acts like Jesus and doesn't do it with gritted teeth. How many of you know that sometimes like you can do the right thing and the whole time your teeth are just gritted. You're like, I- I'm not going to say anything right now, but what I want to do is I want to knock you out, you know, or I'm not going to say anything right now, but what I want to do is I want to burn your house down, you know, uh, but I'm not doing that. And, and on the outside, I look great, but on the inside, my heart is wrenched and my, and my teeth are gritted and it's just like, oh. No, we want to get even past that and we want to get to the spot where we're actually like Jesus in the heart, where we're doing the things that Jesus does, acting the way that Jesus acts, uh, treating people the way that Jesus would treat people is a reflex. You know, it's not even, it's not even thinking. It's just, it's just reflexive, reflexive. Uh, you guys ever watch, you guys ever watch like professional baseball? You know, like, let me tell you, when you're hitting 95 mile an hour fastballs, you're not thinking about it. You're literally not thinking about it. You're just what? It's just muscle memory. It's, it's the reflex of years and years of training and practice. And it's the same thing with the character and the heart of Jesus. To practice the things that Jesus says unto the point we can actually get past gritted teeth obedience, and we can enter into, oh, this is just who I am. I'm actually becoming like him. Uh, Amy read our scripture this morning, and that's going to be the one we look at a little bit. But what I want to do before we get to, uh, before we get to the scripture is um, I just want to tell you about something I like to do. Segway. Um, uh, here, here's the thing I like to do. I like to cook steaks. Isn't it fun? This is like, this is what fun is when you turn 40. You know, in your 20s, it's one thing. And in your 30s, it's another thing. But when you get to be 40, or in my case, 43, when your beard gets to be really gray and people are like, actually, you look older. When people get there, when you get there, fun is just like cooking a steak, that's maybe, that's maybe as good as it's going to get all week long, guys, okay? But this is something I like to do. I like to cook steaks, and here's what I like to do. I like to go to Kroger, and I like to not buy any that are already in the package. 
I like to press the button at the butcher thing, you know, the little ringer. I like to make the butcher kid come out and he'll say, well, can I help you with anything? I'm like, yeah, I want some ribeyes. And he's like, well, we have some packaged up. I'm like, yeah, I don't want those. I want you to go back and I want you to grab that big ribeye that's in a big giant hunk. And I want you to cut me four of them. And I want them an inch and a half. And the other day the kid tells me, he's like, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. And I'm like, no, you do. You do. You do. Because, because you have the little chart here. You see the bottom one, the thickest one, it's an inch and a half, buddy. And, and not only that, but I've been getting them cut by you guys for years, you know? Uh, anyway, no, uh, it was super funny, but that's what I like to do. I like to go and I like to push the button. I like to make the kid come out and I like to have them, I like to have them cut for me right there. You know, I want to, I want to see fresh saw marks on this steak. And then I like to go home with it and I like to open the package up and I like to put it out on my wooden cutting board. Anybody here have a wooden cutting board that's like soaked with fat and blood? Like you can't wash it out. Like you can, but it doesn't work. It's impervious. Like Dove runs away from it, you know? It's just, it's so soaked with the oils of animals. (laughs) I'm losing people. (laughs) The vegetarians are like, false gods. I mean, in the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals to God, right? You know, we do that at my house most Fridays, you know, this, the pre, and the priest got the first cut of the meat, right? Like anyway, but I like to get my cutting board out. I like to get my cutting board out and I like to put, I like to put these giant steaks down on my cutting board and I like to just leave them out most of the afternoon and let them get to room temperature. And I like to, then I'll, after I get them out and I'm like just letting them come up to room, te- that's key by the way. And you know how I know this? Bobby Flay. <laughs> like this is stuff I learned from Bobby Flay. By the way, have you ever watched that show Beat Bobby Flay? You know the one thing that never happens on Beat Bobby Flay? Ain't nobody beating that guy. I love this show. I love it. It's my absolute favorite because people come in, they're like, hey, here's my special recipe that you've never heard of before. And then Bobby dunks on them in 20 minutes. Every time. I love that. I don't know. I also love LeBron. I like winners. But anyway, so I like to let the steaks come up to temperature, you know? And then while that's happening, what I like to do is I like to clean the kitchen till it's absolutely perfectly clean. I do not want to start I do not want to start cooking anything until all the dishes are washed from the morning and put away, uh, even the ones where my kids like ate frosted mini wheats. Why am I mentioning that? Is there anything harder to wash than a bowl that has that has like frosted mini wheats left on it? Like you could build a house. I don't know what that what that congealment is, but when it dries, I like to get all of that off. I like to put them up. I like, I like to get every surface in the kitchen clean. And after I do that, what I do is I'll go out and I, and I start the grill and I like, to, I like to let it get as hot as a jet engine. And that takes like 40 minutes. I just turn the burners on high, close the top. You know, you know the little temperature gauge? It just goes, it doesn't even read anymore. There's just smoke. Like we could blow my house up with how hot this little grill is getting. 
and I like to put on some decent music and then I open a bottle of wine. I like to drink some wine while I'm cooking. And then, then, I, have some, then I have my own like little spice pack that I put on it. It's not a pack. I make it. It's my spices. You know, I go to the little spice rack and here's what I like to do. I like to take coarse salt. Heather, what's the kind that I'm talking about? The, the triangle ones. Malden salt. Anybody, you know what Malden salt is? It's the best salt. It's, they're like little triangles. I'm telling you, look, at the, look this up. It's the, best, it's the best crunchy salt you'll ever find in your entire life. I like to take Malden salt and I like to rub it in with my hand. And I like to get my pepper grinder out and I put tons of black pepper on it and I rub it in with my hand. And then I like to take some garlic powder and some onion powder. And then, then the, the thing that makes it amazingly good is to take like some chipotle pepper adobo powder like the kind of stuff that'll just blow your face straight off, you know? And you, you put a lot of that on. And the key to this is to put way more of all of it on there than you think you should. Like make it basically, make it a crust before it ever touches the grill. And I like to let it sit for another hour, right? And I'm just, you know, listening to some music, cleaning up the kitchen, letting the grill get hot. And then what I like to do is put it on the grill. And then I like to pull them when they hit about 120 or 125, which is like medium rare. And I like to put them on this big platter we have. And I like to put a little tin, tin foil around it and let them sit for 10 minutes. And then we cook the other things. And then what I like is we, we cut it up on that on that, uh, on that cutting board I have. And then we, everybody just comes in and we eat dinner. And let me tell you, when you get all of those spices and you get a room temperature steak and you throw it on a hot grill and you get the internals to 125 and you tint it and all the juice runs out with all those spices and you eat it, let me tell you something, kids. That's, that's magic. <laughs> that's like real magic, you know? It's incredible. It's incredible. And you're thinking, what are we doing here at the vineyard this morning? I don't think he knows the Bible. <laughs> but hey, here's what I've learned, though. Here's what I've learned about this. If you let those steaks go to medium or medium well, then you've made a, you've made a mistake that's not repairable. <laughs> this is not up for debate either. If you let them go too far, if you let them go too far, you've made a mistake that's it's not repairable. Like, it doesn't matter if you started off with a good product. It doesn't matter if you've got your own good spice blend. And it doesn't matter how clean your kitchen is. It will not make up for the primary mistake of overcooking the meat, right? Like, if you overcook it, it doesn't matter how good you did everything else. It doesn't even matter how good what's on it is. If you overdo it, it's over. It's over. Like, start over. Go back to Kroger. Push the button. Get the kid. <laughs> You know, why am I telling this story? Well, here's why. Because there's an order of operations for cooking good steak. There's also an order of operations for goodness, integrity, and character as well. You got to do first things first. Primary considerations. There are primary considerations when we set out to become a tree that produces good fruit. And if our goal is to become people who have the character and heart of Jesus, to become people of character and integrity, to enter into goodness, then there's some stuff we just have to get down on the ground floor and get it first. If we miss it, it won't matter. It literally won't matter how good the spices are later. It won't matter. It'll just be something that started wrong and ended worse. Here's what I want to do, Reese. Can we just put the scripture back up? 
Amy read it so, so good. Amy's a good reader. Have y'all noticed that like some people could, they have a voice and it's just like, that person should read more. I mean like out loud and in public. People, people on the audio archive are like, man, he really doesn't like Amy. Are you calling Amy dumb? No, Amy's read way more than Amy writes books. Okay, uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five. This is like, think of this as an order of operations for goodness. Matthew chapter five is like first things first, guys. Like get it right. Here's, here's the ground floor of being like Jesus on the inside. Jesus says this, what you've heard it, you've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, don't make any vows. Do not say by heaven because it's God's throne. And do not say by the earth because it's his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the, ki- the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just a simple yes, I will or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Uh, remember last week we were talking in the room out loud. We were talking about like, what are some qualities of like integrity and character and goodness? And uh, wasn't, it, wasn't it interesting that right away people said, well, just do what you say you're gonna do. And we all, we all agree on that, right? Like what, is, what are some foundational things for, for goodness, integrity and character? Uh, number one, do what you say you're gonna do. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and isn't it interesting that in the example Jesus gives, uh, he's saying something like this. Like, well, you guys have heard, you guys have heard it said, you gotta do what you say you're gonna do, especially when you put God's name on it, right? And, and everybody goes, well, yeah, I mean, you gotta do what you say. And Jesus is like, yeah, uh, do me a favor, don't do that. Uh, especially the part where you add God's name to it, where you say by heaven or by Jerusalem or by the earth, no oaths. And that just, it feels weird to us, doesn't it? It's like, what are we doing? Okay, well, here's what we gotta do. We gotta put this in a little bit of context. Uh, Today's text comes from a piece of the Sermon on the Mount where there are six reversals. So if you look at Matthew chapter five, six times you're gonna hear Jesus say something like this. You've heard it said, but what? But I tell you, and by the way, everything that you heard it said is in the Bible. That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. Uh, Jesus talks about murder. Uh, Jesus talks about getting back at people. Jesus talks about anger. Uh, He talks about divorce. He talks about lust and adultery. Over and over again in Matthew chapter five, he keeps saying things like, hey, you guys read it in the Bible, X, Y, and Z, but I'm telling you, it's, it's bigger than that. So there's this section here when it comes to like primary considerations of goodness where Jesus is saying, yeah, the thing you understood, even from the Bible, it ain't gonna do. In fact, you have to listen to me. And I just wanna say right up front, part of what we have to pick up here is like in everything, Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the final word. Six reversals. There's a sense in which when Jesus is giving this sermon and is entering into these reversals, there's a sense in which Jesus is standing as the new Moses, right? Like there's the old Moses and the old Moses gave the law, right? And everybody knew it. And that's, 
And then Jesus shows up and says, well, you heard this, but I'm telling you this. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the new Moses. He's actually saying something even more profound. He's saying, I'm greater than Moses. And all of that stuff back there, we're actually updating it. He's getting into the marrow. Now let's give a little more context here. A little more of an Old Testament understanding in a New Testament world. Jesus in this section is saying, hey, listen, don't make oaths, not even to God. The Old Testament said, if you make an oath, you can't flake out on it. And Jesus is saying, don't even do that. It was pretty common for people in the day of Jesus to swear or to take an oath. And in doing so, they would, they would do something like this. They would be like, well, you know, here's what I'm gonna do. And, and I swear to it by God, right? And, and what, do, what do people do when they're, when they're swearing to something by God? They're just trying to signal they're really serious, right? Yeah. And, and we don't hear that language very much anymore. Like how many times do you, do you hear someone say, you know, I'm gonna do something and, and you know, well, I, I swear by heaven. You know, it's just, these things are just not super common in our day. Uh, in our day, it looks a little bit different, right? Um, how, how, many of you, how many of you have occasionally heard people say something like, oh, I swear to God? Especially when I was a kid, right? Like you, you, hear, you hear people say, well, I'll do it. I swear to God, or I'll swear on the Holy Bible. You know, uh, that's, about as, that's about as close to this perfect thing that Jesus is talking about as we come into in our own day. Uh, the, only other, the, only, the only other moment that we sometimes run into this is like in the courtroom, which is super weird, right? Like before someone gives testimony, they make them put their hand on a Bible and what? Like I'm taking an oath and I swear on the Bible which is hilarious, right? Especially given Jesus's words to not take oaths and don't swear by God. Like we're literally doing the thing that Jesus said, don't do. Also, it's like, what, is it a magic book, right? Like, is it, is it a magic book? No, but why, why is this symbol even happen in the courtroom? Because we're trying, to, we're trying to actually increase the pressure on someone to what? Tell the truth, like, we're trying to increase external pressure by bringing like the Bible or God into it to get people to tell the truth. That's really important. Underline that. Think about that for a second. So it's less common in our world to, to do these kinds of swearings. But how many, times, how many times have you and I said things that are not quite that same language, but in some ways are hinting and pointing at that same thing, right? Like how many, have we, how many times have we told a friend, Oh, I promise. No, really, really. I'm serious. I know, blah, blah, blah. I promise, right? I swear, right? Yeah. Or, or just even beyond I promise and I swear, maybe there's a story that goes with it. You know, we'll, we'll tell this elaborate story to, to make the other person really believe that what I'm saying is actually true this time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody done it? My hand's up, right? I've done it. We've all done it, right? We've all done it. Um, I just want to unpack here real quickly what's going on. What are we doing? What are we doing? And why is Jesus making this somewhat, it seems almost arbitrary, like don't swear to God. Okay, okay. Uh, don't swear by heaven. Okay. Uh, don't, don't swear by Jerusalem. Never have. <laughs> <laughs> he said, never, 
great, I'm in the clear, you know? <laughs> what, what's happening? Well, okay, I think there's two things happening. Uh, number one, number one, wh- by making promises beyond yes and no, by, by increasing the language in order to, to bring in some sort of like external authority to increase our believability. Is that convoluted enough? By doing this, I think number one, we're acknowledging that perhaps we need to bolster our believability with words that reach for some external power. Does that make sense? Yeah. So any, even when I say, I promise, we're trying to use some external word to bolster our what? Believability. Okay, so if we need an external word to bolster our believability, what does it mean? We're not believable. And why are we not believable? History, right? Okay, history. Uh, And then number two, number two, and I think this is the one that Jesus was really getting at. He's working on both. But here's the one I think Jesus is really getting at. Number two, when we use these kinds of words, is there not some strain of manipulation or salesmanship happening? Yeah. Oh, I swear to God. Okay, maybe the other person, maybe the other, let's just say, you know, there's you and the other person and you're having some conversation and, and they're maybe wanting you to do something, they're asking you to do something, or, or maybe there is something that needs to be done and, and you say, Yes. And they're like, well, but do you really? And then, so now we've already acknowledged that there's some reason why perhaps I'm not that believable. Right. And then I go, I swear, I promise. Right. And in, in, in the swearing and in the promising, is there not something from me in trying to get them to believe me? Am I not in some ways pointing to an external to, in, in order to manipulate and hopefully sell or control them towards my stated end goal? Can you feel that? Have you ever felt that in an interaction? You know, someone gins up a story or points to some external or, oh, I'll get this person to vouch for me, right? Is this not, is this not number one, is it not identifying my lack of integrity? And then number two, is it not identifying perhaps my own uh, intention to manipulate or to control, if not the situation, then the person? Okay, doesn't the vow, doesn't the swearing point to a deficiency? In the Old Testament, the basic rule was do what you say, but with Jesus, he says, don't vow, don't promise. All vows and promises are spice on an overcooked steak. Working back in the metaphor, guys. It's good preaching. Okay, so what Jesus says is, what Jesus says is this, just yes and no. Just yes and no, like simple yeses and no. There's a sense in which keeping our vows to yes and no is a way of keeping our life's accounts short and our circle small. Our life accounts short and our circle small. And here's what I mean by that. There's so much in life I literally cannot control. Have you noticed how much in life uh, there is that I just, I literally it sits beyond our control? Like so much sits beyond our control. Uh, There are things in life uh, that I can't control. And then there are things in life that I shouldn't look to control. This is part of what Jesus is saying. So there's, there are things that are going on in your life right now that you cannot control, that I cannot control. 
Jesus says, in addition to that, there are things we should not look to control either, especially other people. There's a simplicity to this yes and no lifestyle. There's a simplicity that's elemental. By the way, even James, the half-brother of Jesus, echoes this exact teaching from Jesus. Reese, can we put that up? James chapter 5, verse 12. Here's, this is in the New Testament. Look at what James says. But most of all, this is like at the end of the letter, right? And look at his, look at his language right up front. But what? Most of all, most of all, you've said so many things, James, and you're ending this thing with most of all, and this is the teaching. Most of all, brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Isn't this interesting? So there's something elemental here. Like this is basic Jesus teaching, but it's also like, it's something that James, the half-brother of Jesus, echoed as well. There's something New Testament about simple yes, simple no. It draws the circle of our life smaller into, in, into, a, into a scope that's much more believable, right? There's so much in life we can't control, but then Jesus says there's some, thing, there's some things we should not even look to control. And James says, if we will do this, if we'll keep oaths and vows out of us, if we'll just become yes and no people, we'll actually keep ourselves from sinning. And here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering how many times our promises and vows um, are, are overt and, and subtle forms of manipulation language. And I'm also wondering this, how many times is this a way for us to, to seek to control People in a world where at a deep level, we know just how little control we have, right? Like there's so much that's happening that's outside of my control. And I'm just wondering sometimes when we begin to enter into this kind of language, if it's not an, an attempt to control that which is uncontrollable. Is this, a convol is, is this kind of convoluted language a sign of an anxious soul? I think so. Okay, last section. Here's what I hear in Jesus' teaching about be a yes and a no person. Just simple yes and no. Simple yes and no. Uh, here's what I hear. Uh, I hear the invitation to know what you're really about. If you're, gonna reduce, if you're gonna reduce your interactions with people to simple yeses and simple noes, how many of you understand that you need to know what you're really about? I hear in Jesus, I hear in Jesus in letting go of manipulating people with promises, in letting go of manipulating people with salesmanship, I hear Jesus inviting us into, know what you're really about. If we do this, if we live by yes and no, it will require you and I to know who we really are and what we're called to be and do. Living with this kind of clarity in our language requires having some clarity in our lives. And sometimes that requires some digging. There's an invitation here from Jesus to know what we're really about. Um, every single yes is a million no's. You know, you give, your, you give your yes to something, you really gave a million no's. This is why it's so important to know who you are and what you're about. You know, every single person who gets married, you give your, you give your yes to your husband. You give your yes to your wife. How many of you know that that yes is a million no's? You gave a no to who? Seven billion other people. I'm not joking, right? 
This is, this, there's a clarity that Jesus is inviting us into, like to, to reduce our lives to something singular, to know what it is that we're about. Too many yeses, too many yeses, and you'll have problems on your hands. This is also what I hear Jesus saying. And once things get out of, out of hand, uh, we start to drop the ball. How many, of you, how many of you know if you say yes to everything, you will drop the ball, right? There has to be some no in your life. Yeses and nos. I, I think it's interesting. Jesus is talking about like yes and no. Like leave, don't, we're not gonna manipulate. We're not gonna promise. We're not gonna overpromise and underdeliver. We're just like, we gotta know. We, we need a vision for my life. I need a vision for my life. You need a vision for your life. We need to know who we're about so we can give our yes and our no to very specific things. But how many of you know that when you start giving too many yeses, you will drop the ball. I will drop the ball, right? What happens when we start to drop the ball? We need external promises and external appeals to power and something beyond ourselves to take, to take up for our lack of character where we've dropped the ball and to pressure those we are dealing with to believe us again, right? Anybody ever done this? It's like, hey, will you do that? Yes, I, will, I, I would love to do that. You, okay, will you? Yes, I would love to do that. Will you do? Yes, I would love to do that. And then you look at your calendar and go, I cannot do this, right? And then all of a sudden, a couple balls get dropped. Okay, then you go and repair the relationship. Then they come back to you some other time and you're like, yes, I will do that. And they're like, but you didn't really great last time. And you're like, no, I promise. All of a sudden we're into the thing, aren't we? We're making vows. Why? Because we didn't know what to give our yes and no to. There's an invitation from Jesus here to live a more examined life and to know who we are and what we're about. What we're about. Back to square one. Uh, I wanna give you, really quickly, three building blocks of yes and no. Reese, can you put my little sermon slide up, the one you built for me? Perfect, perfect. Everybody give Reese a hand of applause. He's been my guy today. He's been building stuff for me all day. Hey, here are the, here are the basic building blocks of yes and no. Um, uh, number one, basic elementary ethics. Basic elementary ethics or basic elementary morality. Uh, here's what I mean by that. I mean Sunday school stuff here. Like you, you, wanna, you wanna have a goodness, integrity, and character grow in your life. Uh, you wanna be someone who can live without promises, but a simple yes and no and have a yes and no be like weighty. And people are just like, yeah, I can take that to the bank. You know, you wanna do that? Okay, number one, the ground floor. This is like, this is like don't, overcook the, don't overcook the steak. The, the ground floor here is basic elementary morality and ethics. Here's what I'm talking about. Just simple stuff like this. I will not lie. I will not be a liar. You know, I will not be a liar. Uh, I, I will fulfill my commitments. I will not steal. Like the stuff that they teach at elementary school, you know, the things they teach at Sunday school, right? So that's like, that's our ground floor. Uh, here's what I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about higher end ethic, ethical concerns. I'm not talking about the moral complications of whether or not a Christian should own an iPhone. <laughs> I, listen, I, it's, I think it's probably okay, but I wanna tell you, uh, every, iPhone, uh, every iPhone and every smart device and every computer is morally, is morally gray. Why? Because there's probably some kids in mines working for a penny an hour to extract enough lithium to make the thing work, right? 
Yeah, I mean, so we, so I'm, why am I saying this? I'm saying there are some higher end ethical questions that exist in life and being a person of integrity and goodness and, and character, uh, we're not even dealing with that yet. I'm talking about the building blocks are just simple things like I will not lie. I will not steal. I will keep my commitments. I will be faithful to my spouse. You know, uh, I, will, I will care for my children. You know, just really, I will look in on my neighbor, like really basic human stuff. Then number two, then number two, uh, and by the way, isn't it interesting that, that this all has to do with yes and no, doesn't it? Every single thing I'm talking about here. Then look at number two, basic discipleship. When you give your yes to Jesus, what did you give it no to? Everything else. So the thing on top of basic elementary ethics and morality, and by the way, uh, we're, we're born knowing some stuff, guys. We know some stuff. There's some stuff in eight. Then, then what we do is we meet Jesus and hopefully we give Jesus our yes. And when we give Jesus our yes, it's a no to everything else. And, and we start to build, we build on this, we build on this moral framework. And, and, the, and the basic framework here in this middle section is Jesus is Lord. And here's what Jesus is Lord means. Jesus is my boss. In every situation, Jesus is my boss. I will do what Jesus says. Uh, in the moment, I will also do what Jesus has said. Like I will, I will read the Bible, especially the gospels, and especially those parts where Jesus is talking and I will internalize it. And this will be my word every single day to me. I will be a disciple beyond just like not stealing, beyond not stealing, I am going to learn how to love my enemies. You know, beyond not stealing, beyond not lying, uh, I'm gonna learn how to go the extra mile with people who are not good. Beyond not stealing and not lying and not cheating on my spouse and being faithful and being someone who's true, Jesus is my boss. I have no other boss. I have no other allegiance to give to anything else. Jesus is Lord. Like Jesus is not just my savior. I gotta preach here for a minute. Jesus is not just a savior. Jesus is Lord. And here's what that means. Here's what that means. It means that we're waking up as disciples to the fact that Jesus' lordship is salvation itself. That Jesus' ways are saving ways. And if you will do what Jesus says, this is the road to salvation. It's not just getting plucked out of hell in the last minute. It's that you could live into heaven right now and you can do that by going the extra mile. And I can do that by loving my enemies. And I can do that by trusting Jesus today as Lord and boss of my life. You know, we start with basic elementary ethics, Sunday school stuff. And then on that, uh, as we get a little older and we meet Jesus, we give him our yes. And that means we're going to do everything that Jesus says to the best of our ability. And when we fail, we're gonna come back to him and say, Jesus, teach me again, right? And then thirdly, on top of like this broad discipleship call, these words that are in the gospels that are for every man and for every woman in all of history, on top of that, Jesus has a specific call to you and to me. You guys realize in the gospels, Jesus would walk, by, would walk by James and John and he would say what? Hey guys, follow me. What, what is he gonna do? What did Jesus tell James and John he was gonna do with them? I will make you what? Fishers of men. You've been fishing for fish. Hey, you guys come follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men, right? Yeah, and then, and then a little bit later, a little bit later, Jesus goes to Paul 
He says, hey, why are you persecuting me? Saul of Tarsus, why are you persecuting me? And what does Jesus tell Saul of Tarsus? He says, he says you're going to what? Suffer from me, right? Uh, he, Jesus tells Saul, who was inflicting suffering on other people, he tells that Saul what? You're gonna suffer for me. This is part of his specific call. And, and that Paul, that Saul who became Paul, uh, he has another part of his specific call. And it was what? To go to the Gentiles. Like the Jew of all Jews, Jesus was sending to the Gentiles. Where did Peter go? To the Jews. Like everybody has a specific call. And if you read the gospels and you read the book of Acts and you read the epistles, one of the things you learn is there's something about basic discipleship, the words of Jesus, these things exist for all time, for all people in all places. And then inside of that, because God is alive by the spirit and he is calling men and women to himself by the spirit, he has a call for you. For you, And if we want to be people of yes and no, if we want to be people of uh, weighty yeses and nos, if we want to be people of like upright character, morality in the heart, if we want to be people who are like the Lord, we need to know what is my specific, who am I to God? What does he say about me? What, what has he called me to do and to be? A life directed. Can you say who you are to God and do you know what he's asked you to do? You know, listen, uh, th there's a very good chance God is saying to a lot of people in this room, uh, you're a teacher, go to the school, right? Like, and that, like, take it to the bank, take it to the bank. And when you do that, when you do that, let that yes be a no to everything else until he comes and says something different, right? Give your, and like lean in. Like when it gets really hard, just keep leaning in. No, I'm called, I'm called to teach and show up at this school and to be Jesus in this place, right? That's my specific call. I'll just tell you a part of my story here real quick. I mean, part of my story is Jesus has called me to preach on three different occasions. On three occasions in my life, God has called me and when he did, he used the word preacher to me three times, not pastor. He used the word preacher. These are important words. What is it that he's asked you to do, right? Like, like, do I like pastoring? I love pastoring. I love talking to people. It is a part of what I'm supposed to do. But I know the thing that is more, more foundational and elementary than even just helping people one-on-one -on -one with their problems is I know I'm called to stand and tell people the good news. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And there've been a lot of times I wanted to go do something else because guys, this ain't easy, you know? But here's the truth, ain't nobody's life easy. <laughs> nobody's life is easy, right? But I know this is what I'm called to do. Like, what is it that you're called to do? Do you know, has God talked to you about it? He wants to, he will. Listen, if he did it for James and John, if he did it for Saul, if he did it for Peter, if he did it for Matthew, if he's done it for me, he'll do it for you. This is how we become people with weighty yeses and nos. We don't need to make promises. We don't need to make vows. We don't need to gen up a story. We don't need to manipulate other people. We don't need to control. We can live in an uncontrolled world by not needing to control people. Here's why. Because we're called by God. Jesus is my boss. I have a few basic things 
uh, when it comes to morality settled and I know what I'm supposed to do. I have a yes in my heart that's a billion no's to everything else. This is what it means to follow the Lord. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite everybody in the room. Uh, I wanna invite everybody in the room today to giving up manipulation and coercion especially with other people. Like we're just not gonna manipulate or coerce people, you know? What does that mean? I'm just not gonna want it more than the other person. Uh, I'm gonna keep inviting, but I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna promise uh, and I'm not going to beg and I'm not gonna, I'm just not doing that. We're just, we're gonna, we're gonna give up the need and the desire to manipulate and control people with oaths and flowery language and especially appeals to God. That's really what Jesus is talking about here. He, he's saying like, don't use the Bible to coerce people. Don't use God concepts to beat people up into getting your way. Uh, don't use promises to make up for your own deficient character. Uh, we're gonna give up manipulation and control with our language. Uh, number two, the invitation this morning is to lean into simplicity. Lean into the, the, the pure simplicity of yes and no. Yes and no. Lean into simplicity. And then number, number three, and this is so important, it's listening to the call of Jesus. You know, like I wanna tell everybody here, listen to the call of Jesus in your life and do what he says. Like when Jesus calls you, run to him, do it, whatever it is. And especially, especially when Jesus is pointing you at other people, you can be sure it's him. You can be sure, like listen to the call of Jesus. Listen to the call of Jesus. That's the invitation this morning. I've preached enough. That's the invitation this morning. If you're on the band, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.